Well, there's a story told of a mother who sends a friend to pick up her son from the train station. The son is a soldier returning. The person picking the son up has never met them. And so he says to the mother, what, what, is, what does your son look like? And the mother says, he looks like a person who helps someone. And sure enough, as a man goes to pick up the son, she, he sees a man who's helping someone else with his bags. For the mother, she knew what her son looked like. He was a person who helped others. And here this morning, we're going to hear of two quite different people from the book of Philippians, two men who help others. This is what they look like. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus, and both of them are to be admired in Paul's mind. We've been looking at the book of Philippians for some weeks now, and the whole train of Paul's thinking as he goes to give two concrete examples, two men who are to be admired, the whole train of that thinking goes back all the way to chapter 1, verse 27. If you've got a Bible there, you, you might want to open up to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27. Back there, Paul has said, only let your life be worthy, worthy of the gospel, as you live as citizens not of this earth, but as citizens of the kingdom. Let your life be worthy of Christ. And the Apostle Paul has had two spheres in mind. Back in chapter 1, verse 27 to 30, he has in mind the world. This small group of Christian people there in verses 27 to 30 had to stand together in, as one mind, not frightened, even though they're suffering. This is how they're to stand against the world. And it's not just against the world that they're to stand, but also in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we see how they're to stand together as a church, within the church. We saw three weeks ago that they had to live lives that treat each other more significant than themselves. They had to treat each other with a selfless humility. And two weeks ago, we saw the ultimate example of selfless humility was the Lord Jesus himself in chapters, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Have this mind among you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Christ and his self-humiliation, his willingness to come from his Father's side to earth as a human, as a servant, as a servant who dies even death on a cross. And because of his act of self-humiliation, the Father has raised him, raised him to life, raised him to glory, given him the name above all names. And as we saw last week when Wayne came to preach, we saw in chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, that on the basis of Christ's example, we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're to work this reality out in our lives. And when we do that, and as we do that, it's not just for our benefit. It's so that the world might see how we shine like stars. And so what does shining like a star look like? Well, Paul gives two concrete examples in the life of Timothy and Epaphroditus. We're going to look at both of them, and so Timothy first. 
These are flesh and blood examples of selfless conduct, of the mind of Christ. Paul begins with Timothy there in verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So in other words, this letter is going with Epaphroditus. But don't worry, Timothy will come soon too. Paul's expectation is that the Philippians will take what is written here to heart and they'll hear about it and they'll be encouraged. Paul holds this little church in his heart. We're told that back in chapter 1 verse 7. And he can't wait to hear. He can't wait to hear what's happening in this church. He's emotionally invested in it. The ups of the church, he rides with them. And the downs, he does as well. He's not insulated. He's distant, as he writes, probably from Rome. But he's not emotionally insulated. There's a passion. There's a commitment to this church that he has founded with Timothy. And with that passion and commitment comes a vulnerability. There's tears of joy and laughter. And Timothy, Timothy is unique. And he wants to encourage this church. He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them mature. And so he wants to send someone like Timothy who can bring a word of encouragement. And Timothy is unique. You see there in verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Literally it says, I have no one of equal soul. Others we hear in the book of Philippians have sought harm for the Apostle Paul. They perhaps quite happy that he was in jail, that, they, that he was perhaps um, on the down, and so their star could now rise. But Timothy was not like that. Timothy shone, and Paul's knew, Paul knew that Timothy's concern would be genuine when he arrived in Philippi. He wouldn't be concerned for himself. He'd be concerned for others, free from a self-interest to devote himself to the welfare of others. And that's a wonderful example, isn't it? Timothy is a wonderful example. The Apostle Paul sees the work of the gospel in his heart. He knows the character of this man. He knows his heart. And yet, it's so difficult to be like Timothy. I don't think that Timothy found it easy himself. But I think it's hard for us. When we hear of someone like Timothy, someone so selfless, either or often, we're forced to look at ourselves. And we're forced to consider what what is it about my life that is similar to Timothy's? And, and what is it about my life that isn't? The pull of our culture is not towards an interest of others. The pull of our culture is towards an interest of ourselves, a self-interest, a self-importance. One writer puts it that the 
Our age is one of weightless souls consumed by their own gravity. Self-fulfillment is the ultimate goal of our culture. But here Timothy isn't driven by his own sense of fulfillment. He's driven by the need and the encouragement of this group of Christians. And so there's a great challenge for us this morning as we read of Timothy and what he is like. There's a need. And in fact, there is a command here for us in the Gospel that we too live like Timothy that we rise above that pool of our culture. And in some ways, our culture is not any different to first century culture. We see there in verse 21, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer thought about this. He wrote uh, in a a book called Life Together. He wrote about the reality of what it is to live in a world that pulls us to ourselves away from one another. He said this, he said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and cancelling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by preoccupied with our own important tasks. When we do that, we pass by the visible sign of the cross, raised toward our path to show us not our way, but God's way must be done. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they allow nothing to disturb them. They think that they are doing God a service in this, but they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight paths. There's paths before us, and we want straight paths. But God's paths and the service of others are those crooked paths, those annoying paths, those paths that get in the way of our busy life and of of the demands of our life. Paul here wants Timothy to be raised as an example to how to live for the sake of others. It's his heart, and it's also his character there in verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proven himself, because as a son of his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. Timothy was there when Paul founded the church in Philippi, and they knew him, and they knew his loyalty to Paul. There seems to be this deep respect that that, uh, Timothy has for Paul, And young Timothy is absorbing the work of ministry from a father-like figure in the Apostle Paul. And what marked Timothy out most of all was the way in which the Lord Jesus had shaped his life. How he had become in a servant. The way in which he counted others more important than himself. He's risking himself in this journey to the Philippian church. At the end of Hebrews, we read that he is even being jailed. But the 
But Timothy has the mind of Christ. And it would appear that he, when he has the mind of Christ, he will serve without grumbling or complaining. As we saw last week, Paul places his confidence in him because of his heart and because of his character. His life speaks about the gospel. And may our lives speak about the gospel too. And often there's two extremes when we think about our lives. When we think about an example like Timothy, there are two extremes. One is often the extreme of self-protection, where we're not willing to give any of ourselves to others, where we protect ourselves and our lives, indeed, from others. And so we need to consider the temptation of self-preservation and self-protection. That's one extreme. The other extreme is where we give ourselves, and we give ourselves what might look like selflessly, but we don't do it with the mind of Christ. We give ourselves what might look selflessly, but we do it with the mind of others. We do it for the sake of being seen by others. Well, Timothy, he's displaying the mind of Christ. He's giving himself selflessly. He's not protecting himself by um, self. He's not protecting himself, and he's not giving himself simply for the sake of others. He's doing it with the mind of Christ. Secondly, um, Paul's model here and his example is Epaphroditus. We see there in verses twenty-five. To 30. And here as he describes Epaphroditus, he describes this partnership in the gospel, this partnership that he's been talking about in this letter so far. And Epaphroditus is different to Timothy, but in, in many ways he's the same. The life of the gospel is being breathed out of him. And Paul uses five descriptions of him there in verses 25 to 30 all emphasising his commitment to the mission of God. There in verse 25 to 30, he's a brother, he's a co-worker, he's a messenger, one who's literally sent by Paul, where there's apostle, but here I don't think it's a reference to the twelve, it's, it's one who was sent by Paul, and he's a minister, he's a helper to Paul in need. And so his sacrifice is emphasised in his description. His sacrifice is emphasised in his near-death experience. He's been travelling with this money, this money that was given by the Philippian church to the Apostle Paul. He's travelling with this money, and in his travel, he's become sick, and he's nearly died. That phrase there, nearly died, is exactly the same phrase that's used in chapter 2, verse 8, to speak of Christ until death. And so here, in Paul's mind, the very same language that he uses of Christ in chapter 2, verse 8, in chapter 2, verse 30, he uses of Epaphroditus. He's a Christ example. He has the mind of Christ. The fifth description that he uses is as a fellow soldier. Now, in a culture which honoured returning war heroes, and in a city like Philippi, which was populated by many veterans, 
Epaphroditus is to be honoured. Perhaps Epaphroditus wasn't honoured by those around him. He wasn't, as far as we know, some kind of military general who was upheld by the world around him for his military conquests. He hasn't gone on a campaign to seize land or property, but he's been given a mission. He's been given a task. He's a fellow soldier with the Apostle Paul. And perhaps it suggests that Roman kind of image of a, of a soldier fighting shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul. No doubt the Apostle Paul has in mind that the Roman military strategy of um, men standing side by side, dug in together, with their, short, their swords and their shields interlocked. And here, Epaphroditus has been wounded. He's been wounded in battle. And after time, he's going to be sent back for R&R. And it might be that Epaphroditus feels like he's somewhat of a failure for getting sick. It might have been that some in the church felt like he hadn't done a very good job in getting sick. But the Apostle Paul is clear here in verses 25 to 30. He wants Epaphroditus to be given a dignity, to be given an honour. He doesn't have the name of Timothy. Hasn't been, you know, with the Apostle Paul through thick and thin. He's not known in the same way. In fact, perhaps there's a familiarity to Epaphroditus. Perhaps there's an ordinariness to Epaphroditus. I mean, after all, he was just the bad man. All he had to do was walk or travel, at least, from Philippi to Rome to carry the money. And it seems as though he only just did that. Yet in Paul's mind, he's his fellow worker. In Paul's mind, he's not just a bag man, he's a fellow soldier. See, in Paul's mind, it was regardless of what he was doing. In Paul's mind, it didn't matter whether the world accepted him. It didn't matter if he was esteemed by the culture around him. It mattered that he was serving Christ. And to serve unnoticed is as much dignity to serve in any ministry as it is to be serving as those who are seen. Verse 29, Paul says, So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour, and people like him. I think it's remarkable that the Apostle Paul has to write this. It's remarkable because I think the risk is that we know that in this church that they are having trouble looking out for the interest of others. In this church, their problem is looking out for themselves. And the Apostle Paul is very, very concerned that Epaphroditus is properly honoured. He's properly given dignity. He's properly thanked for the work of service. Now we know that all gifts ought to be exercised. But there is a great dignity to serving in a church in a way that's not seen. 
to serve in a way that's perhaps not even honoured in our world. Epaphroditus was a fellow soldier. He was willing to risk his life. In fact, he almost died in this service. And he had the mind of Christ. He had the mind of Christ as he looked for the interests of others. And so for us too. May we find encouragement from Epaphroditus. A man not honoured by the world. And sometimes perhaps even a man whose service was lost or missed in the context of his church. And so for us, sometimes our service is lost. Sometimes people don't see what we do. But we to serve regardless of what is seen and what is noticed. We're to serve like Epaphroditus. We're to serve like Timothy. For the sake of others, with the mind of Christ. And may God enable us to do so. Amen. Please stand as we see you.